Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The politics of the COVID-19 vaccine rollout have already become tiresome. And the first shipment of the vaccine was just shipped a couple of weeks ago. We're told by many in the media and Democrats, sometimes one and the same, that we're falling behind with the vaccine rollout. Is that true? Or in a hopelessly divided nation, is this just politics as usual? As always, much of this criticism is due to... In my belief, it's politics. I'm Fingers Malloy filling in for Tony. This is Tony Katz today. And let us begin with President-elect Joe Biden. He was speaking at an event in Delaware. And he was talking about the vaccine, vaccine rollout. And as always, politics is involved in everything in our country today. He had this to say about the vaccine rollout. The Trump administration's plan to distribute vaccines is falling behind, far behind. We're grateful to the companies, the doctors, the scientists, the researchers, the clinical trial participants, and Operation Warp Speed for developing the vaccines quickly. But as I long feared and warned, the effort to distribute and administer the vaccine As he warned, he said the, 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 the clip actually cut out there a little bit. The efforts to roll out the vaccine, we've uh, apparently, according to him, the Trump administration has done a poor job and we've fallen behind. My question is, I, you know, we've seen throughout the, the months and years of the Trump administration when claims are made like this, usually there will be a little graphic underneath saying, statement without proof when it came to President Trump. These claims are made, but let's look at the evidence, shall we? First of all, uh, hey, Ari, does does Tony have a Tony Katz today flashback Like a, a sounder? Yeah. <laughs> now, now we do. It's a Tony Katz today flashback. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's go back. Not Less than three weeks ago. From Portage, Michigan, the first shipments of the COVID-19 vaccine for widespread use in the United States headed out Sunday from Michigan to just distribution centers across the country. We're talking less than three weeks ago. This vaccine started to be sent out to distribution centers. This was a vaccine that the president said early on this year that we were going to have a vaccine by the end of the year. And he was either called a liar or Many outlets in the media said it would be a miracle to have a vaccine, but here we are in December with the vaccine. Now, the New York Times has reported that more than 2.1 million people in the U.S. have already gotten the vaccine. So think about this. We've gone from not even worrying about this virus at the beginning of this year to the president saying we're going to have a vaccine available at the end of the year. That's the goal. He was called a liar. Uh, He was told, uh, you know, if if we did have a vaccine, it would be a miracle. To now, we have 2.1 million people in the United States who have already gotten a dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. 
And what's really interesting is, you know, the New York Times reports this, but there's also a piece about this from uh, Business Week. And they put in their piece that it's not, and it's not reported in the New York Times, that 2.1 million more people have been vaccinated, got their first dose of the vaccination in the United States than any other country in the world. So we're being told that the rollout, we're behind, but yet compared to other countries, we're ahead. We keep being told that other countries are so much uh, farther advanced when it came to protecting their people with COVID, when it comes to COVID-19 infection. But in this case, the United States is ahead when it comes to COVID-19 vaccinations. And the priority right now, of course, is healthcare workers, first responders. I can tell you here in Indiana, I've got two nurse friends who've already posted on Facebook that they got their first dose of the vaccine, and that's great news. But so much of this is politicized. Why does this all have to be politicized? Because everything is political in 2020. So... Biden is positioning himself to be a savior here. Like what we and basically what we're seeing is he's going to continue much of what Trump has already uh, put into place. And then he'll be hailed as a hero when these vaccinations uh, are, are out there for the general public. And the schedule has seemed to remain the same. Dr. Fauci talked about it more than once, that you're going to see first responders will be the first people who will be vaccinated, followed by more of the the most vulnerable in our society, senior citizens, people in nursing homes, they'll get the vaccine, and then it'll be given to the general public. But I think it's, it's outrageous, and it sounds kind of spoiled, to be quite honest. The idea that we're somehow behind this vaccine came about in record pace this vaccine was developed and it's being distributed are there going to be hiccups absolutely you have a plan but mike tyson once famously said you have a plan until you got punched in the face and this has been a giant punch in the face so there are going to be hiccups but if you would have said six months ago that in december we would have a vaccine for COVID-19 and 2 million Americans would already receive the first dose, I think most Americans would have been excited about that. Now, there is something that's interesting. Uh, The New York Times has an interactive page where you can find out your place in line that comes to the vaccine. Uh, Producer Ari I want you in on this, too, because you and I are of two different age groups and uh, fitness levels. <laughs> I'm glad you prefaced that. Because <laughs> you, you're you a younger feller. I am. Uh, I am a little bit more seasoned. Uh, I went to buy a suit the other day. The person who was selling me the suit described my, me as portly. Ah, a portly gentleman, I assume. Uh, he didn't add gentleman. Oh. He just said portly. I think he said portly feller ah. is what he said. But uh, so there are some differences. But if you go to this New York Times interactive page, and I'll include it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fingers Malloy Radio, it has 
certain categories you need to fill out and it will tell you where you are uh, when it comes to uh, your place in line in the vaccine. Now, uh, I'm not going to ask your age, Ari, but it says, how old are you? 29. Oh, look at you. Proud to announce that you're 29. Just turned 29. Oh, happy birthday. I don't like telling people that. I, I, I tell people I'm 24. Oh, well, happy birthday uh, to celebrate. Here's some hand sanitizer. Ah, thank you. Uh, so you're 29 years old. It says uh, what county you live in. Uh, we'll say Hazard County. I don't know. Sure. Uh, It asks, do you work in these professions? Healthcare worker, essential worker, first responder, teacher, or none of these. Now, as far as I'm concerned, everyone who has a job is an essential worker, Mm. but the New York Times probably doesn't look at it that way. Uh, So it describes essential worker as you've been working in person throughout the pandemic, which I have in person. So you know what? I am going to say essential worker. There you go. There you go. See, we're no, agreeing. It didn't change my nine number. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, do you have any COVID-related health risks? I do not. These include, uh, you know, something like health or heart disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity. Well, I look at this, uh, and I am four years old, and I also live in uh, Hazard County. Uh-huh. Uh, none of these professions, I'm not a healthcare worker, I'm I consider myself an essential worker but apparently that doesn't matter you put in essential worker Mm -hmm. it didn't figure out your number uh it didn't change your number at all your place in line and do you have any covert related health risks well according to the cdc (laughs) according to the cdc my portliness is a risk may be considered morbidly obese uh, compared to government statistics. I don't feel that I'm morbidly obese, but, you know, the feds, they, they crunch the numbers and they, they say that... Uh, the BMI is too high. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you on the list as far as ranking goes? Where's your place in line to get the COVID-19 vaccine? Uh, I am in line behind 144.1 million people. In the country and in the state of Indiana, which I reside, I am behind 3.1 million people. So, I mean, that sounds about right. Well, this is what comes with age and chunkiness. Uh, (laughs) I am behind 23 million people across the United States. Yeah, And when it comes to Indiana, I'm uh, behind 492,000 people. You're going to be one of the first. Yeah, and in my county, 20,600. Yeah, I'm at 113,000. Well, so that's a fun little interactive page that you need to check out. Again, I'll have it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio. Bottom line is, I think, rather than trying to politicize this, vaccine we need to be grateful a lot of hard work was done by these corporations and a lot of red tape was cut that should be the take not that we're behind i'm fingers malloy filling in for tony katz this is tony katz today there's a weird new media narrative coming out of wash or out of nashville that we need to discuss but before we do i want to put a bow on the conversation we had about the vaccines. Welcome back. This is Tony Katz today. I'm Fingers Malloy of the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program, filling in for Tony. And Joe Biden made another comment in his remarks in Delaware about the virus or the vaccine that uh, I found interesting. Ari, play that clip. I hope the president will clearly and unambiguously urge all Americans to take the vaccine once it's available. I took it to instill public confidence in the vaccine. 
President-elect Harris took it took hers today for the same reason. And when the president's doctors recommended, President Trump should take it. President-elect Kamala Harris, first of president-elect all. Harris took president-elect Harris took President-elect Harris. <laughs> uh, listen, there are, there are many things we can look forward to in the next four years, uh, you know, maybe a tax hike. But one of the fun things that we can look forward to are gaffes like this. He's a gaffe machine. But going back to what he said about President Trump needing to uh, take the vaccine to instill public trust in the vaccine, is that really necessary? First of all, he had it. He had COVID-19, if you remember correctly, back in October. Now, According to the CDC, people who have gotten sick with COVID may still benefit from getting vaccinated due to the severe health risks associated with COVID-19. And the fact that reinfection with COVID-19 is possible, people may be advised to get a COVID-19 vaccine, even if they've been sick with COVID-19 before. But I got to tell you, I mean... You've seen the response in the media when it comes to other Republicans getting the vaccine. I mean, just do a Google search for Marco Rubio getting the vaccine. And much of it was, oh, he skipped in front of first responders. He skipped ahead in line to get his vaccine. What would the reaction be if Donald Trump got a vaccine? I have to believe it would be similar especially since he's already had it. He had COVID-19. So I don't know. We, 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 I hope that we can get past all of this and, and, and unite, but as a hopelessly divided nation, I, I doubt seriously that that is going to happen. Now, there is a strange narrative that is starting to develop around this Nashville bomber. Uh, and there was a piece over at MSNBC by Dean Abadala. I, I'm going to just go with that. I apologize, Dean. I know you're listening. I mispronounced your name. And it's simple. The opening paragraph just lays it all out there. Imagine if a Muslim man filled his RV with explosives and drove it to downtown Nashville, Tennessee, with the express purpose of setting off a weapon of mass destruction. Imagine if he had then parked his explosive-laden vehicle outside of the AT&T building and then proceeded to carry out a suicide bombing. A suicide bombing that damaged more than 40 buildings and injured at least eight people, including police officers. Do you have any doubt that this bomber would be called a terrorist? There is major concern, apparently, among some that this person, and I'm not going to use his name, isn't being called a terrorist. First of all, look at the definition of terrorism. A person who uses unlawful violence and intimidation, especially against civilians, in the pursuit of political aims. We don't know what this cat's motives are yet we don't know what was behind the bombing there's been speculation and there's been some wild speculation about this person according to the new york post 
uh, the bomber spent time hunting for aliens and was interested in lizard people. Nice. Law enforcement sources told ABC News that investigators found some of the bomber's writings containing ramblings about various conspiracy theories. Okay. There's also been reports that the bomber was anti-law enforcement. And he allegedly spoke about hating cops decades before the attack. We've had media outlets dig to try to find this man's political leanings. And who, to me, I look at it like, who cares? Why are we trying to find out who this guy voted for? What his beliefs were? I'll tell you what I'm much more concerned with. What I'm concerned about is the fact that this guy may have fallen through the cracks. Apparently, this person's girlfriend alerted authorities a year before the bombing that he was making bombs. He was flirting with using bomb-making material in his RV. And yet nothing was done. Shouldn't we be looking into that as a story instead of being concerned about narrative and whether or not this person should be labeled a terrorist. I think if you talk to most fair-minded people and ask them if a person who, uh, you know, an American citizen loads up an RV full of explosives and detonates it in an American city, they would call them a domestic terrorist. But this is where we are in 2020 when it comes to social media and media. There's always a spin to make it look like there's there, there's something more here uh, that needs to be looked at. And in this case, whether the media uh, is giving this guy a free pass because he's white. Apparently, he's an older white guy. So I guess my question is, what are we accusing the media of not being woke enough? They're scared of going after a white guy? Branding a white guy a terrorist? I, I, I don't see it. And I think once the motives of this person become more clear, we'll get a different perspective on how the story is being reported. But in the meantime... Why should we worry about how it's being reported? And if you are concerned about how this man is being labeled in the media, well, whose fault is that? The media. Call them out for not being woke enough. And you're seeing that, but the priority, the priorities in my mind are completely screwed up. I'll tell you someone who doesn't have his priorities screwed up. It's a little 11-year-old boy who used his birthday money to buy Chick-fil-A for the homeless. And now the chain is putting him in a commercial. This is from uh, MSN.com. While many 11-year-olds ask for birthday presents, one boy decided to donate his gift of $150. Rather than donating the money outright, he used it to buy Chick-fil-A for his local homeless community. 
During the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs, so they don't have a lot of food and toys for their kid, Bryson Galt told WJBF. What a fantastic story. Well, Chick-fil-A caught wind of Galt's generosity and reached out. Chick-fil-A told him, we know you didn't do this to get acknowledged, but we see that in you. And they offered the youngster a commercial spot, which will reportedly air in January. We need more stories like this going into 2021. Good on this young man. Good on Bryson Galt. I'm Fingers Malloy. I'm part of the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program that Tony hosts. I'm the co-host. You can find it right here on WIBC uh, from 3 to 5 on Saturdays and where all great podcasts are found. I also host a show on Wham Talk 1600 AM in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the weekends. And you can check out that podcast where all fine podcasts are found. And also follow me on Twitter at Fingers Malloy. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash Fingers Malloy Radio and the website fingersmalloy.com. More of Tony Katz today, right after this. The lockdowns across the country continue, and the ones in California are just out of control. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Fingers Malloy, the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program filling in for Tony. And, you know, I like to focus on California a lot. And I get asked why. Hey, if we're in the Midwest, this is California. Let California people deal with California. Well, That's where a lot of these crazy ideas start. And then their tentacles of these crazy ideas start floating out through the rest of the country. And you're seeing people in California. They're moving out of California in droves to avoid the overregulation, the overtaxation, and and now these, these lockdowns. And they're moving to Texas. They're moving to Nevada. Maybe even moving to Indiana. We got to make sure we push back against the the very same policies that they left the state of California and make sure that they don't vote for the same type of people who would offer up these policies. Well, the stay-at-home orders were extended in California Tuesday for two large parts of California as hospitals have been severely strained by surging COVID-19 cases. And, you know, we've been told that one of the narratives in uh, the, the mainstream media is we didn't take this seriously enough when the virus first got to the states and, you know, we should have had longer lockdowns, even though we were, we were told, well, well, just to be 14 days to flatten the curve. And, and now we're talking of national mask mandates. Well, the lockdowns are pretty extreme in California, and yet they're still having a surge in California. You still got to wear masks. Uh, you know, in California, you, most businesses are shut down. Uh, 
and the enforcement of this, of these lockdowns, it's gotten quite scary. There was a salon in Stockton, California, that was just raided. KTLA uh, had the story. Customers and stylists at Stockton's Pomp Hair Salon, that's where I get my mohawk done when I'm in Stockton, California, uh, saw something they never expected to see on Wednesday. Armed officers bursting into the business. It happened because the salon was open in violation of state COVID-19 restrictions. Husband and wife owners Vicki Kirk and Dino Balin said it was humiliating for customers and stylists. They burst into our salon and they treated us like we were in the middle of a drug raid. I Look, I don't know what's scarier, the fact that we're seeing this in the United States or that there are some people who are actually nodding their head in, approvement, in, in approval of this. I mean... One of the things that there's been a debate about in this country over the past, especially the last six months, is interaction between law enforcement and the citizenry. And why would we need more people showing up at private establishments or private homes with, you know, with guns ablazing? This is a hair salon. This is outrageous that this would happen. But this is kind of typical of what is what California is becoming. There was a a video released of gosh, I think it was by uh, a woman who owned I believe it was the Pineapple Bar and Grill, the the name escapes me, but it went viral a few weeks ago where she went ahead and she got together some outdoor, uh, some tents to do outdoor <clears throat> dining for their customers. And she was shut down. And in frustration, she videotaped herself in tears, asking how it was fair that a movie production was across the street and had similar tents, and they were told it was okay, that it was safe for them to have the tents, but she was just small potatoes she didn't have the lobbying group that the movie studio had she didn't have the clout so she's told that her establishment needs to close yet the tents for the the movie studio across the street got to stay open this stuff is driving people out of california like crazy did you see charles schwab the investment firm just announced they're moving to Texas. Charles Schwab headquarters is officially moving uh, to North Texas on January 1st. According to Denton County, Texas, the move is significant for the financial sector, both in North Texas and on a large scale. They were just part of a $26 billion merger with TD Ameritrade. But Tesla just moved to Texas. You're seeing these big Firms, these corporations are getting out of Texas because it's overregulated. There's not a good business climate in California, and the people are moving too. Just got to implore them not to vote for the same people who are champion, championing these policies. One of those people being Gavin Newsom. 
And before I get into Gavin Newsom, did you and and the lockdowns? Did you see this video he posted? I know it's a few days old, but it was all over Twitter. <laughs> Gavin Newsom uh, talking about Santa Claus and how he has the pop he had the proper permits to visit California. So some good news, our state veterinarian, Dr. Annette Jones, just approved a 24-hour permit starting later this evening on the 24th into the early hours of December 25th for nine reindeer. So good news, health inspection, brand inspection, it's all done. Santa, your reindeers are cleared for entry. Now, it's funny how much of your interpretation of that video is clouded by your political beliefs. I saw many people on the left retweeting that, saying things like, oh, isn't that cute? Thank you, Governor Newsom, for keeping things light or trying to brighten our holiday, being it's such a... We're struggling out here. It's terrible. And right-wingers like me were thinking to themselves, it would be like Gavin Newsom in the state of California to ask Santa Claus for a permit to visit California on Christmas. But Gavin has been a big part of these executive orders throughout the, you know, the, the, you know in, in California and has uh, you know, made national news for the heavy-handedness of, of the executive orders between him and uh, America's governor, Andrew Cuomo in New York and Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Well, there's a, a recall movement going forward in the state of California. Um, And it actually got some momentum, according to Fox News. A campaign to recall Governor Newsom is picking up steam with individual donors offering tens of thousands of dollars each, and they scored a half a million dollars from an Irvine-based consulting firm. Listen, I, I, I think it's great that this recall effort is underway. I think that politicians need to understand and office holders need to understand that when they say they're, that we're all in this together, we really aren't all this in this together. When you are collecting a paycheck and your life hasn't been impacted much when it comes to these lockdowns and yet you're asking small businesses to shut down, to lose their livelihoods for weeks, months. There need to be consequences for these decisions, especially when it's it's not clear as if these decisions are really having any impact on the virus. There have been California has been in lockdown for some time, and yet we're seeing these increases in COVID-19 cases and uh, ICU beds being taken up in California hospitals. This is happening in other parts of the country, but the economy in a lot of these states have remained somewhat open. There are mask mandates. But there are also regulations, and, and there are regulations saying, well, you could only maybe have 50% capacity in a restaurant. or, But, but, but at least there are, they've allowed these businesses to breathe a little. Not so in California. So... Why do we talk about this? Because people are leaving California, and I say, don't California my America. I'm Fingers Malloy, in for Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.
Remember when you used to go out and buy Christmas gifts and you'd go to the store and you'd pick up a gift and you'd put it in your cart and you would take it to a cashier and you would you would check out and you'd take that gift home with you. Or you ordered something online and it was delivered to you by a, a, a guy in a truck. Well, things are about to change. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Fingers Malloy filling in for Tony and uh, the story frightens me. I'll be honest with you. I I I don't scare easily. Uh but <laughs> your the way your packages are going to be delivered in the future uh it's going to be via drone. UPS Amazon delivery drones are a step closer to reality uh with new United States rules. The government says drones will need to address new safety and security concerns, but Instead of waiting for your packages to be delivered by truck, they'll come overhead via drone. Ari, you like to shop. Mm. I like to sit in my house a lot more. The, I, doesn't the idea of these mechanical flying machines flying zigzagging all over the place, all over the, the, the city, all over the country uh, with no real, I, I'm sure they're going to say they have some sort of safety system in place. The FAA is going to regulate it, but I, I've got a computer right now that's only two years old that uh, – I try to use it. I try to open a story. Uh, the pinwheel of death shows up. It takes forever to load. I'm supposed to trust this technology from these drones are just going to be able to show up, not hit another drone, not run into your car as you're driving. Everything should be fine. Everything should be safe. This is the future. You are thinking only in terms of the worst that could happen, and this is such a generational thing because Tony's the same way. Like, I'm all in favor of Tony hates us. I'm like, I would love to have a microchip in my hand as my credit card so, oh. I could, so I could scan my purchases with my hand and be done. And Tony thinks that's blasphemous. I love the idea of making my life more convenient. Now, could this be the end of times and the machines will take over? Maybe. But you know what? It's a risk I'm willing to take. I am not for the reign of terror that is about to happen as unmanned drones flying through the sky uh, delivering cutlery sets to people's homes uh, are going to be just flying all over the place. Nobody will be able to to know if they're coming or going except for Amazon and uh, UPS and all these other companies. Give me a truck. They'll figure it out. Give me a truck. Give me a guy or gal. Oh, then that driver's going to run off the road and kill. See, I can do it too. Oh, my gosh, someone carrying a whole box of, of sharp tacks in a truck falls asleep at the wheel and then kills 100 people. Like, see, I can, I can make up hyperbole and, and a worst-case scenario. I want you to Google right now how many accidents have happened in the last year with sharp tacks falling out of the back of a truck causing major accidents. I hope there's uh, at Google least it. one. <laughs> Listen, uh, by the way, uh, the United States Postal Service apparently has really been struggling. I, I have seen I have seen uh, friends post stuff on Facebook that they have orders uh, in for packages that were supposed to be shipped three, four weeks ago via the United States Postal Service, and they haven't received it. It hasn't even left a sorting facility. They're struggling. Uh, but the the drone thing just scares 
the bejesus out of me. So you're more concerned about the drones running into people less than the idea of the machines taking over the world. Well, the machines will eventually take over the world. So, you know that. But what's your I know that. I, I, obviously. <laughs> but what is what is your primary concern? Is it is it that or is it the, the logistics of flying things, hitting things? Uh, well, it's a couple of things. First of all, you know, I like a, a good cigar. I like sitting out uh, in, in the backyard okay. smoking my cigar. That's why I'm part of the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program. Sure. Smoke a fine cigar. Uh, I don't need to be in my backyard worried about the hordes of drones that are about to fly over my yard, uh, crashing, uh, you're dropping packages. Like, <laughs> you're imagining like a pack of cicadas that are just... Yes. Rough. No, that's not what it's going to be. How do you know? Oh, do you know? You were in the Amazon meetings. You know it's, for sure. Have you seen for... how many packages got delivered just in the last week? And I'm tapping my uh, wrist for some reason to show you the yeah. last week. What, <laughs> what has happened with the packages? Packages everywhere. Not all of them will be drones, though, because obviously you can't deliver a, you know, a, a giant parcel through a drone. So it'll split 50-50. It'll, imagine you're sitting, enjoying your cigar, and you're thinking, boy, I sure wish I had another cigar. And then all of a sudden, zoo, 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 zoo. it drops a cigar for you. Imagine that life. Is that how a, a drone sounds? Zuzuzuzuzuzu. I was in the Amazon meeting. That's exactly what they were. They they described it as. Well, one thing people need to know is uh, if they happen to get a ceiling fan sold at Home Depot, uh, not delivered via a drone, there is a possibility that it got recalled. Because the blades could spin off while in use, possibly injuring those nearby. The Hamilton Beach 54-inch Mara indoor-outdoor fans were sold in stores and online from April through October of this year for about $150. So about 182,000 of these fans were sold in the U.S. and another 8,800 were sold in Canada. So, Kings of Fans, the Fort Lauderdale, Florida-based distributor of this product, uh, which is a sold uh, apparently exclusively at Home Depot, said it has received 47 reports of the product's fan blades detaching with at least two customers hit by a blade and four instances of property damage. You think about it, a fan really only has two jobs. One is to spin, and the other is to not fall apart so it's baffling to me that you have your two checklists right there and the second part that the fan doesn't fall <laughs> apart didn't didn't go through like a, a fly a sharp flying a large object hurling towards me is a legitimate fear i have I'm not like drones like this is this could actually happen ceiling fan you had one job exactly <laughs> one job and now what i'm concerned with is the recall of the drones because the drones, they maneuver with fan blades. Oh, my God. It's See? all connected. See how it all connects? See, that would be a legitimate concern. I, that, that I can empathize, empathize with. So that is more of a legitimate concern in my mind than your theory that uh, a, 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 as if we're living in some sort of cartoon world where a box of tacks can fall out of the back of I, I, did, I did not find any uh, a- truck, truck stories, by the there, way. No Acme trucks were no, found? No, Wiley Coyote was uh, unavailable for comment. <laughs> I'm Fingers Malloy. Follow me on Twitter at Fingers Malloy. Fingers Malloy Radio is where you can find me on Facebook and, of course, the Eat, Drink, Smoke Radio program, which I co-host with Tony Katz. Find the podcast. We're all fine. Podcasts are sold. My website, FingersMalloy.com. Check it out. I want to be one of the first to wish you a very happy new year. 
I'm Fingers. I'm filling in for Tony. And this is Tony Katz Today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz Today. Oh, it's stimulus check time. Money, 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 money. Government making it rain. Looks like we're going to get $600 if you qualify. Maybe $2,000. I wouldn't count on that just yet. I'm Fingers Malloy in for Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. So, believe it or not, we're already hearing reports that people are getting their $600 stimulus payments. According to the White House, the first stimulus checks could hit bank accounts as early as last night. So right now I'm seeing people frantically looking at their phones in my mind. I'm watching Ari do it right now to see if it was deposited into his account. But the question is, should it be? We hear we're all in this together. And I couldn't disagree more. We are not all in this together. Many people have not lost any income at all. They're still earning a living. And they have the added bonus of being able to work from home. Should someone who hasn't lost any income during this crisis get stimulus checks? I understand the temptation to say yes. I love getting money in the mail or directly deposited if you are part of the 21st century. But people still get checks. My grand, my my grandfather, my dad's 82. He's looking forward to getting his check in the mail. But should you be able to, should you get a check if you haven't been struggling financially during this crisis? My, my answer is no, you shouldn't. The stimulus check should only be targeted to people who've lost their job, who have been struggling. But we're going to see now that that's not going to be the case. Everyone's going to get it. Most people are going to get it who qualified for it just like they did under the CARES Act. Well, now there's been a push. President Trump has tried to lead this push to increase the stimulus check to $2,000. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Tuesday introduced a bill tying $2,000 stimulus checks to unrelated items on President Trump's agenda, a full repeal of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, and the creation of a new congressional committee to further investigate the integrity of the 2020 U.S. elections. Now, I'm going to pass on the the Section 230 Communications Decency Act for a second. And I want to get into this creation of a congressional committee to further investigate the integrity of the 2020 elections. Why is that a problem? Why should that be a problem? Listen, first of all, we all know that 
m- many of these committees are nothing but a big taffy pull. Nothing's going to happen. Sure, there may be some high-profile hearings, and there will be some sort of blue-ribbon panel you know, uh, there'll be a, a a report that the president will have a press conference and thank the members of the committee for their dedicated hard work and researching whether or not we had uh, problems during the 2020 election when it comes to the integrity of the election. But then nothing ever happens. But there's pushback against this committee, and I have to ask, I have to ask why. Look, you don't have to be all in on the idea that the election was stolen from Donald Trump to take a look at what happened since Election Day and prior to the election and say, well, something stinks here. Just look at Fulton County, Georgia, where precinct workers told Republican poll watchers that they were going to stop counting the votes at 10.30 p.m. on election night. And so they went home along with members of the mainstream or the members of the media, and they continued to count in the basement until 1.30 in the morning. Can't look into that a little bit further? Find out if any election laws were broken? Why should that not be investigated? Everyone should look at that and at least raise the question, is that right? Is that legal? Should that have happened? Why is that okay? Some of the stuff that happened in Philly is very shady. Some of the stuff that happened in Detroit. There's video footage of people putting up cardboard pieces of, pieces of cardboard on the window so people couldn't look in on them. What were they, were they trying to keep Vladimir Putin out? What was the point of doing that? There's nothing wrong with asking whether or not there were any shenanigans pulled in the 2020 election. It should be harmless to have this committee investigate this if there was no wrongdoing. I would think that investigation would be welcomed. Oh, and by the way, if there is voter intimidation on the right... And that's exposed, and that should be exposed, too. We should have fair elections in this country. And if there is a question, and it has been reported, I just documented a couple of instances where things looked a little little fishy, it should be looked into. Should it be tied to $2,000 stimulus checks? That's another discussion. Should we get $2,000 stimulus checks? I... I know this may be an unpopular opinion with some, but that answer should be no. Listen, I love the idea of getting back more of the money I paid to the feds, who I think waste much of my taxpayer money. But I'm employed. I'm not struggling. Many people are. Many people are struggling today because... Governors and mayors around the country have decided that they want to shut down small businesses to slow the spread of COVID-19. Those are the people who need to be assisted. And I am a small government guy. I'm a free market guy. 
But when the government steps in and shuts your business down, better have a, a plan to help these people. Those are the people who should get help. And if Mitch McConnell wants to tie an investigation into the integrity of the election, nah. listen, the whole reason why this plan was delayed nine months was because there were pet projects that Libs wanted thrown into the bill. Say it's about time we throw in some things that the political right would want. But it may torpedo the two grand. Does that anger you? It angers me that we're offering $2,000 stimulus checks instead of offering small business people the opportunity to keep their businesses open. And I think most people who are eligible for these stimulus checks who don't have a job, while the stimulus check would be nice, they would just like to have their job back and their life back. And that's what the focus should be. I'm Fingers Malloy in for Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Well, we keep hearing that life will start to return to normal, but yet the goalposts keep, they, they're, they're moved further and further down the line, and it is getting more and more depressing. Welcome back. To Tony Katz today, I'm Fingers Malloy of the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program, filling in for Tony and uh, Dr. Fauci said Sunday that Americans could start thinking about a return to some form of normality by the fall of 2021. Fauci made a Sunday morning appearance on CNN's State of the Union with guest host Dana Bash. And he predicted that the coronavirus vaccine rollout would allow for the general population to be vaccinated over the summer, which this is consistently what we've heard. Is that okay? By by the, the you know the summer, we're going to see the vaccine rolled out to the general population. Right now, you're seeing the first responders; they're getting the vaccine. Eventually, it's going to be rolled out to our most vulnerable in society senior citizens, people in nursing homes, people with pre-existing conditions, and then the, the general population. Now, Joe Biden said that the, the rollout has been slow. To me, that's a ridiculous statement to make because here we have in December, over 2 million people have already gotten their first dose of the, the vaccine. We were told when Donald Trump said that we were going to have a vaccine by the end of the year that he was lying or that it would take a miracle for us to have a vaccine. We've got over 2 million people vaccinated, gang. So we are going forward with the vaccinations in a way that seems to be on schedule no matter what some in the media and some in the Democratic Party are saying. But the mantra that we're all in this together and we're all going to get through this uh, and we're all in this is going to be something that we're going to get through and that the economy will rebound. The the impact of these lockdowns has been 
dramatic and disturbing. And if we're all going to wear masks, it's time to open things up. I don't think America is prepared for going from two weeks to flatten the curve, 14 days to, oh, uh, really, things aren't going to be completely back to somewhat normal until fall of 2021. We've talked about how this has had an impact on the travel industry, on Eat, Drink, Smoke, and the hospitality industry and restaurant chains restaurant chains it's amazing how many restaurants have closed since this pandemic started uh there was a list put out uh by explore.com 53 restaurant chains that are on the brink of disappearing entirely Ari, i'll bring you in on this because uh like food like you or like me you like food i do it's enjoyable Mm. (laughs) tasty yes indeed so you look at some of these restaurants and at one point i believe there was a a study came said one in six restaurants have closed and may never come back some of these restaurants that are struggling these chains were struggling before coronavirus but now they're really in deep trouble Applebee's. Yeah, they were they were in trouble before. Yeah, they opened it, uh, their doors for the first time in 1980. So far, Applebee's has closed more than 120 of its locations down to approximately 1,200 locations. Still a lot of locations, but they're they're struggling. Another place this this breaks my heart. Hooters. Yeah, I I. So were they struggling before the uh, pandemic? They were struggling before the pandemic. But now things have become even worse for Hooters. And I'm quite frankly surprised that this business model has lasted this long. Has lasted (laughs) this long. I mean, politically correct times here in 2020. Going into 2021, you do see other restaurants with the same kind of theme, which is the scantily clad waitress. Mm. Saying, oh, dear, you, I've had other customers in here today, but you're my favorite. That's right. But she always meant it when she was talking to me. <laughs> well, they've had a slow and steady decline over the last decade, but the, the coronavirus has hit it really hard. Uh, more than uh, 7% of their locations have been closed, and they've lost millions of dollars in earnings. And to me... Uh, listen, I'm a wing guy. We talked about this off the air, yeah. Ari. Uh, I could eat, and again, I'm I'm a portly feller. Uh, I could eat a bowl of just their breading. That seems like a lot of carbs. <laughs> it's not keto friendly. Nah, I, I I do love wings as well. I that's my favorite food. Boston Market. This surprises me nah, a little that bit. Surpri- it's they don't they didn't have a strong. Uh, I guess they did have a strong to-go infrastructure. That's what that does surprise me. Yeah. Uh, it, Boston Market hit its peak in the 1990s uh, with over 1,100 locations. Uh, at this point, less than 400 Boston markets are still open in the United States. Mm. But the the one that really should not be a shock to anyone, there's two on the list. Golden Corral. 
Yeah, buffets. Yeah. yeah, an old country buffet. Well, like, what's the common theme? <laughs> right. I mean, we've we've talked about this on the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program uh, about how buffets have had to reinvent themselves in, in the times of COVID nineteen. Especially, you find this in in Las Vegas, where you know, hey, listen, you go to Las Vegas. That's the thing to do. One of the things to do besides gambling, of course, and 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 drinking, is go to the buffet. Yeah. Love it. And you've seen that the buffets, a lot of them in Vegas have not reopened, or if they have, they've done one of two things. They've either become sit-down restaurants that have a smaller menu that you, uh, you, you know, they give you a tablet, or they've got, this is a really cool feature now that you see where you can, they've got a code reader on the table, and you can look at a menu on your phone. Yeah. Uh, you just press the button, they bring you the food? Yeah. Like exa- uh, like the Brazilian steakhouse? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I don't hate that. No. Uh, or the the other thing they've done is they put a velvet rope in front of the buffet food, and they'll have attendants behind the rope, and you could point to, oh, give me that piece of pepperoni pizza. We all know velvet stops COVID, so that's, that's perfect. <laughs> that should be on... A billboard. Velvet really. stops COVID. Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of billboards, can we talk for a second? Uh, this is the the strangest of times. I'm driving home over the holiday, uh, and I'm originally from Michigan. I'm driving back to Indianapolis. I'm heading down I-69, and there's a billboard <laughs> right outside of Muncie, Indiana, and uh, it says "Wash your hands," and it has. Two hands underneath a faucet demonstrating to you that you should be washing your hands. Sure. And I couldn't help but think to myself, is this where we're at in 2020 where people think that that's some sort of uh, effective use of a billboard? Like someone's driving down I-69 right now going, oh, I haven't washed my hands in three days. Thank you. Random billboard for reminding me that I should wash my hands. It's probably necessary. A lot of people suck at washing their hands. The people who suck at washing their hands probably will not be influenced by a billboard in I-69. That's a fair point. But we're all in this together. So, you know, according to the billboard, and really according to the CDC, and human decency, wash your hands. I will say, I don't know if you've noticed this, Ari, but uh, when I do go to a restaurant or a bar, I have noticed that the habits of uh, men in the bathroom when it comes to washing their hands, they've, they've gotten uh, much more in line with what the CDC would expect of people outside of what pandemic. Do you, wait, what do you mean? They're washing their hands. Oh, you're, I thought they were washing them differently. No, well, they are washing them differently, too. I mean, I'm not actually seeing people singing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, or whatever you're supposed to be doing while you're washing your hands. Uh, if if that's what you need to do, if you need to say your ABCs while you're washing your hands. Uh, but I am noticing more people, uh, more guys, and I don't know if this is uh, the way it is for the ladies too, are washing their hands. Um, have you noticed that? Have I, I? I feel like, I guess I really haven't paid attention to the washing habits of people in the bathroom. I've kind of got other things going on. Okay. I try to focus on. But did you? Are you saying that before the pandemic, you would notice people not washing? Their yes, because that grosses me out. The idea that someone could walk into a bathroom, use the bathroom, touch everything in the bathroom, and then walk out as if they were just uh, tiptoeing through the tulips without uh, any 
regard for the 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 the, the their effect on other human beings. It just it it grows so, me, especially if they walk out of the stall. So, see, I would say some. I I've been guilty of going in with the automatic flushers, and you know, doing my business quickly, and only touching my you know myself and not washing my hands. Like I've I've done that before, but I'm not touching anything, and I'm not too dirty you're, down there. You're so. the you're the worst. I'm not touching it. Your whole point was like I was touching all the walls and flushing things. Then yeah, I'd wash my hands. But do you wash your hands after you pee at home? Yes. Why? Of course. You're not going to infect anyone at your house. Unreal. You know, you know why? Because my mama raised me right. That's why. Know. It feels like you're just you're pandering to nobody. It's not like anyone the, the hand-washing police are going to get you. At least in public, you can get shamed, like the side eye, like, you slob. But at home, what, what are they going to do? Okay, is it weird that I notice it then when I'm in public? Because that's one of the things that just weirds me out, especially if you're in a restaurant. I mean, why do we even need to have a sign-up for employees to remind them to wash their they hands? they want the customers to know that this is a sanitary environment. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Bringing a touch of class to Tony Katz today. I'm Fingers Malloy. He's producer Ari. Remember, you could catch me. Uh, I'm the co-host of Eat, Drink, Smoke with Tony Katz. You could hear it on WIBC from 3 to 5 on Saturday afternoons. Of course, you could find the podcast where all fine podcasts are sold. I also host a radio show on Wham Talk 1600 in Michigan. You find that podcast on iTunes and Apple Music, and where all fine podcasts are sold as well. Check out the website, fingersmalloy.com. That's where you can find all things me. New York Times bestselling author Carol Roth will join us after the break. This is Tony Katz Today. Unless Republicans have a death wish, and it's also the right thing to do, they must approve the $2,000 payments ASAP. $600 is not enough. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm Fingers Malloy. That is from a tweet by Donald Trump joining us right now on Tony Katz Today is my good friend Carol Roth. She's a New York Times bestselling author, former CNBC contributor. Carol, is the president right? Well, kind of. Uh, The frustrating thing is that Congress has had nine months, nine, same time it takes to make a baby into a human, uh, (laughs) nine months to be able to figure out how to means test um, some stimulus in order to compensate the people who have been affected by the actions of local and state government. I don't consider this to be truly stimulus or truly a bailout. I consider it to be more akin to eminent domain. You take away, you infringe on somebody's property rights, you take away their property, you have to compensate them for it. And so it, for the people who have been impacted like that, by that, getting them uh, $600 isn't going to cut it, whether you're a small business owner, or you worked for a small business, or you worked in uh, the hospitality industry, it, you, that's just not going to cut it for you. The problem is that's not what they're doing. Within the nine months, they're making the same mistakes they made on the first stimulus bill, and they just want to give money to everyone. So whether it's $600 or $2,000, if you're getting it to the wrong people, getting it to people who make six figures a year as a couple uh, and not getting it perhaps to somebody who had a good year last year but is struggling this year, then what are you doing, Fingers? You're making it rain. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what you're doing. I mean, let's face it. They aren't in the business of trying to do things in an efficient manner. Uh, it's politically popular for them to not worry about means testing and getting it, targeting it for people who actually need it, who have lost their jobs. It's it's just more politically popular to just send $2,000 checks out to everyone. I, that's not really a surprise, is it? I mean, unfortunately, it's not a surprise, but the, the fact that they continually overspend and you know do whatever they can do to send money to anyone who doesn't need it, um, as well as the omnibus bill that passed you know, with this quote-unquote COVID stimulus bill that sends money you know, overseas and to all these other different institutions, you know, it's just infuriating because the people who really need this and, you know, the, the responsible thing to do is not what's being done. And unfortunately, it's not going to help those who are most in need, and it's going to end up uh, making us all pay the price down the road when the bill comes due. And I know some people say, well, how do you know the bill is going to come due because if you could just print money without there being any consequences <laughs> none of us would ever ever had to have to pay taxes and every every country in the world would do that so obviously there are consequences to doing this uh and we will all have to pay for that well unfortunately i feel like we've kind of lost the debate and narrative when it comes to these checks because I, I'm in the camp where, look, I'm a, a small government guy, but you, you kind of touched on it a little bit ago. If if you demand that uh, all, you know, most small businesses need to shut down uh, and you do it with the, the, the big hammer of government, you better have a plan to help people out. Uh, but I fear that we have kind of lost the argument on spending because, let's face it, it you know, big government spending uh, – you know, quelling it really has not been a priority on the right or the left in Washington, has it? No, I mean, it hasn't been in Washington. It hasn't been at the state and the local level. If you look across all levels of government pre-COVID, so before we had all of these stimuluses and relief bills, at all levels of government, the projection was that over $8 trillion a year was getting spent. And, you know, that's somewhere in the mid-50s to low $60,000 per household is getting spent by the government, which is somewhere near the median household income in America per year. I mean, that is, I mean, that is, unfortunately, that's closer to socialism than it is to small governments and free markets. And uh, we're certainly moving in the wrong direction. I'm Fingers Malloy speaking with New York Times bestselling author Carol Roth on Tony Katz today. Uh, can we, for a moment, revisit the CARES Act, Carol? And uh, what do you believe the CARES Act did right when it comes uh, to helping small business and what could they have done better to help small business? Oh, boy. Um, all right. So the, so my nice things that I will say about it uh, is that they did do a smart thing in including people who are self-employed and gig workers um, and allowing them to qualify for unemployment insurance. I think that that was the right thing to do, and it's a huge and growing part of the economy, and so I give them props 
um, for being smart and savvy enough to make sure that that was included. Um, Certainly, there are some small businesses that benefited by having CARES funds available. But again, the structure of it meant that a lot of people who really didn't need the access to capital, including some very well-known athletes and celebrities and the like in their businesses, um, as well as publicly traded companies, went in and took advantage of that money. And some of the, the smallest folks out there did not trust that you know it was going to be no good deed goes unpunished. And so they were afraid to take that. And the fact that they made the small business owners jump through hoops uh, when you know people like the or groups like the Kennedy Center just got you know, <laughs> over ten million dollars handed to them on a silver platter without having to jump through any sort of a hoop just goes to show that this really wasn't about helping small business at all. Uh, they were a sort of the afterthought. They got the, the COVID crumbs, as I like to call them. Um, but most of the quote-unquote care in the CARES Act went to support big businesses and others that truly did have other access to capital and that were not um, in, it, there was no concern of them potentially going out of business. And unfortunately, we've seen in a lot of states and nationwide, uh, pretty close to a third of some of small businesses that have been shut down and may not return. Well, that's what makes it even more frustrating about this COVID relief package is, like you said earlier, they had nine months to come up with something. And were there even many there were many improvements in all at all when it comes to aiding small business where they may have looked back and said okay we did this wrong uh we should do it uh in a different way no i mean that's the maddening part is that they made every single mistake that they made the last time they made this time i mean just the nerve the pushback that they got in terms of support for colleges you know which are nonprofits and have plenty of money in many cases, um, you know, the Kennedy Center, the National Endowment of the Arts, you know, all these different entities, they just continued to give out the helicopter cash to them. There was no meaningful change in, okay, we're just going to do these direct payments to small businesses and not make them jump through PPP hoops. So they didn't learn anything. They didn't change anything. They just said, okay, you know, what's a number and, and you know, what number can we agree on instead of thinking about structure and mean means testing and doing the hard work. And these are people who get paid six figures a year. So please tell me what they are doing to earn the six figures a year when they aren't even focusing on things like means testing for relief. Well, and now we're coming up on uh, what may be a uh, an administration that will not be as business friendly. What fears do you have of a, a Biden administration when it comes to dealing with small business? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that small businesses and independent contractors have to be concerned about is his support of a piece of legislation called the PRO Act. Um, it passed the House. Uh, it died, sort of died in the Senate, didn't go anywhere. Uh, but no doubt will be brought up again. It takes the language from California, which is always a scary thought, uh, <laughs> that basically shuts down the ability for you as an individual to work flexibly as an independent contractor and tries to make everybody employees. Um, and this 
really threatens the livelihood of 59 million Americans. It's incredibly serious, and it is backed by you know big union guys, um, you know big labor, and you know really wants to not have the choice in that matter. They want to have the force that if you are independent, that's that's not going to be something that happens anymore. Yeah, that's baffling to me. And then the other thing that really troubles me, and this was an announcement that was, you know, made just a few weeks ago, that uh, it appears as though the Internal Revenue Service is planning to ramp up yep. audits of smaller businesses and their <laughs> investors uh, by about 50 percent next year, which Correct. seems oh, just perfect timing, Carol. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because, you know, if you didn't have a bad enough year last year, once you get past it, we're just going to hammer you again. And that's why a lot of, of the small businesses didn't take the PPP money, because they were afraid that it was going to trigger some sort of audit. And there were, you know, the, the rules changed 35 times between March and June. So, you know, did you not tick a box the right way? And does that put you on the hook for money that was supposed to be relief funds? You know, that's the concern of a small business owner. And obviously, that's not what they should have been trying to achieve. Well, and now you have concerns that you, you may have some forgiveness on the federal level when it comes to these loans, when it comes to taxation, but there's still not a lot of clarity about what states will do. Correct. Correct. And we all know that uh, particularly in the states that uh, enacted these shutdowns to a, a large extent, like my quote unquote great state of Illinois, um, you know, it, it, it's not surprising that it aligns with states that are in financial trouble to begin with. So the landscape um, you know, at the local level, I think, is going to be another area of concern. And I think it's, it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Follow Carol on Twitter at Carol J.S. Roth and find all things Carol Roth on her website, carolroth.com. Thank you, Carol. My name is Fingers. We are in for Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Some people like fast food. Some people love fast food. And according to a recent poll, a lot of you hate one particular fast food joint. We'll get into that right now. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Fingers Malloy of the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio program, where Tony says we like to eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. And there was a poll released by a place called the Daring Kitchen. And they asked... Um, Let's see. They 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 wanted to find out uh, from uh, you know the American people what is their most hated fast food restaurant, and uh, I got to tell you, Ari, the the answer surprises me. It's really, that doesn't so that doesn't make me feel good about my guesses. Well, okay, throw a guess out there. What do you think? I would have said like Arby's or KFC. No, Burger King as the most hated. The most hated. Fast Why? food chain in uh, 15 separate states. And I don't understand other than, listen, I, I know some people are against the whole plant-based burger that options. That can't be why. Politics and that, it enters into everything. And uh, I, I listen, I don't understand, you know, they got the Impossible Burger mm-hmm. or Beyond Burger or whatever they, they call it at, at Burger King. And to me... Burger King, if you get a, a say a Whopper, they slop so much of the the toppings and condiments on top of it. And by the way, it's a magic concoction that that uh, you know you got the mayonnaise and the mustard and the and the ketchup and the way they all slop it on there with the the pickles and onions and lettuce. 
I think it's difficult to determine whether there's actually meat on that Whopper or not after they put all the condiments on it. Uh, I mean, have you had the uh, Impossible? Yes. And it's, I, it's, it's good. It's it's a flame-broiled, uh, sad burger. But still, if, if, you, if that's your thing, listen, you, if you're of a certain age— Oh, All boy. Right. This is, you're referring to my generation, the millennials. Let's just say it. Let's rally around the fire and listen to Fingers Malloy give a fireside chat about what plant-based burger patties used to be back in the 90s. When I was your age, Ari, mm. they were terrible. Black bean burgers, yeah. Oh, God awful. You throw them on the grill to try to uh, make your uh, one girl that you're dating who's a, a vegetarian happy and... Then she takes a bite of it and acts like she enjoys it, but it was it was just sad. Now you've had these burgers, uh, you know, the quality apparently has improved. I don't see why Burger King would be so hated. In Indiana, the most hated fast food chain is Wendy's. What? I need to, like, I wish I could see the results of the poll. Like, how do they ask the question? What were the standards? Because I, I, that... I've never heard anyone who hates Wendy's. I listen to me, Wendy's, and if we're talking just fast food burger, okay, we're not talking, uh, you know, to me, a fast food burger is a place that has a drive-through window. Okay, so people like five restaurants like Five Guys, no, got it. Wendy's and Hardee's to me have the two best fast food burgers on the market. Depends on the depends on the situation you're in. We did a review on Eat Drink Smoke of <laughs> Yahoo called it the worst fast food menu item of the year. Ooh. And it was only based on nutrition because good lord, the flavor was unbelievable. It was <clears throat> the pretzel pub cheese from Wendy's. Triple from Out- Wendy's. Outstanding. I've had it. It's it's tremendous. The triple. I've not had the triple. I've had a double. Still equally tremendous. Well, actually, no. Only one one third less tremendous than it should have been. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the triple had over 1,500 calories. I've been drunk before and ate two triples. Oh, good for you. Yeah. You became a man that day. Yeah, it was like 3 a.m. <laughs> but 1,500 calories, and then if you added the fries and the Coke... It was somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,600 calories for one combo meal. What's to hate about that? It's like the, do you remember the double down from KFC where the, with the two, fr- that, I wish they would bring that back. Oh, the double down. For those who don't know, they, they took, they deep fried two like chicken breasts. Chicken breasts. And they used that as the buns. Yeah, and they were breaded and that was the, the those were the buns of the sandwich. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Nebraska McDonald's. Most hated fast food restaurant chain. I don't. I don't understand the reasoning there. I the only thing I can think of when it comes to McDonald's to me is just like it's a security blanket. It's a warm security blanket. It's always there. That's a great way to describe it. It, it. You know, it. You see, maybe it's you as you grow up. You know, you you. Oh gosh, Happy Meals. You get the cheeseburgers, and maybe you get McDonald's out. I don't know, but those are your most hated fast food restaurants. I don't know what to think. I do know what to think. Uh, today is National Bacon Day. And nothing wrong. I thought every day was National Bacon Day. <laughs> it's celebrated uh, December 30th each year. Not to be confused, ladies and gentlemen, with International Bacon Day, which occurs the Saturday before Labor Day. Obviously, everybody knows that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, do, I, are there any special deals going on for bacon? Because that would interest me. 
There should be. All right. But unfortunately, and it's just uh, a, it's just like Mother's Day then, a Hallmark a Hallmark <laughs> holiday. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that's listed in this this piece about National Bacon Day uh, is turkey bacon. That's not bacon. Is becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. I think we can establish on this show and definitely on Eat Drink Smoke. Turkey bacon isn't bacon. No. And boneless wings are not wings. Are not wings. That, that, that is, both of those things are facts. I'm Fingers Malloy of the Eat Drink Smoke Radio program. Find it on WIBC from 3 to 5 on Saturday and where fine podcasts are sold. Fingersmalloy.com is the website. At Fingers Malloy on Twitter. Fingers Malloy Radio is where you can find me on Facebook. So by now you get it. My name's Fingers Malloy. And I'm in for Tony. This has been Tony Katz today.